Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science. With beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome on today's episode we have Joanne Reardon. She is a person who has no limbs and her disability is total atrophy. She has been the Young Person of the Year Award in 2015. She helped people get their disability allowance in 2010. She has spoken to the European Union asking her to get a robot and various other aspects that she has achieved Hello, welcome to the show, Joanne. How are you doing? I'm not too bad, how are you? Good. Um, No limits, yeah, no limits, no limbs is your motto. Tell us how that came about. Um, So yeah, no limbs, uh, no limits is basically just a motto that we use um, every day here uh, just to kind of, I suppose, show people that uh, even though I have no limbs, that I have no limits. Um, I have to be the aim of it. And then um, the documentary, I suppose, that my brother made, Stephen, uh, it also has a title in it, so yeah, it's just kind of become, um, I suppose, a model for us, and yeah, it's pretty cool. You're 20, and uh, what are you currently doing at the moment? So I'm studying criminology uh, at the moment. Um, I'm in UCC, um, in Cork, Norway, but I'm over in um, Yorkshire at the moment, in the University of York, um, studying uh, criminology, so yeah, it's pretty fun. Oh, cool. When you were born, uh, how did your parents react to hearing your disability? Um, I suppose obviously at the start they were um, shocked, I suppose. Um, and then after a while, um, after I was born, we went over to visit a girl called Tina, and um, she was born the same as me. And uh, yeah, basically, um, she's 12 years older than me, and she showed my parents everything that I could do probably in the future. So she kind of laid down the, the mark, I suppose. And um, yeah, since then, my parents have really, I suppose, pushed me and uh, you know, kept me motivated and determined to do whatever I want in life. I know it's only you and seven other people that have this this um this illness. Tell us what it is. Um, so total amelia is basically just where you're born with um, all four limbs. And um, there's no medical reason I suppose as to why it happens, but uh, yeah, no, it's it's just, yeah, it's, it's pretty pretty rare I suppose. So yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Through your life, what are the challenges that faced you? Um, I suppose everyday things that you or whoever would take for granted. Uh, for example, picking stuff up off the ground and um, gaining access into buildings. Um, I suppose everyday things as I said that you take for granted and um, everything in my life that has to be planned out beforehand uh, which is obviously a bit annoying because I'm a spontaneous person anyways but um, yeah we've managed to get over everything really that's happened so far so yeah life has no limits How did you get around those challenges? Well, I suppose everyday you know my parents just kind of tell me that I can do whatever I want in life and I suppose that's really the mentality that I have even though there might be a problem today tomorrow there might be a problem and the idea is to try and try again um, and I suppose failure is really not being an option um, as long as you keep trying. I know probably there's no cure for this, but do you feel that um, technology would provide that or not? Um, honestly, I have no idea. Um, either way, um, I wouldn't change me for the world. Um, I suppose I'm just kind of, I suppose, 
Um, so yeah, it wouldn't really bother me if there was a cure. And I suppose really that's just what I tell people every day, just to uh, be accepting of themselves and be proud of who they are. What was it like being educated in Ireland with having no limbs in some way? Um, I suppose really we come from a small community and um, industry. And um, so really, you know, everyone kind of knew me growing up, so it didn't really matter. And um, I was in the class of about 12 and then 44 when I went into secondary school. So yeah, and it was obviously, um, you know, I learned how to write. Like all my, all my other friends, I learned how to obviously do math and whatnot. Um, and then towards second or third class, so it was about nine or ten, um, I got... Um, got a laptop to do all my schoolwork and that's really how I managed uh, to do all my schoolwork. And doing your schoolwork, which hand would you type or write or do with? Um, so I put a pen in my mouth and I use my chin to control the mouth, or the mouth pad. And so I use pens obviously twice, so kind of just stabbing the keys. Um, and I can type over 36 words a minute, so yeah, it's not really bad, I suppose. That's faster than me. Is that how you do today? Like you pick up a pen in your mouth and you write away or is there other ways you figure out of getting around it? Uh, no, I still do it that way, and um, I suppose it's the way that I learned, um, and I know there's other technology out there, um, you know, voice to, voice to text, or, you know, dragon, um, or even ways you can move the mouse just with your eyes, and then there's pretty incredible technology out there, but I'm pretty basic and just use the pen in my mouth. And how do you write with the pen in your mouth? Just swiggle, or how does that work? Well, whenever I'm typing, I just kind of stab at keys, and then if I'm actually writing, I put the pen in between my cheek and, and my shoulder and that's how I write. Wow, is your, is your writing legible doing that? Um, it's not so bad, I suppose. Um, it's grand. You, you could definitely read it anyway. <laughs> Excellent. Um, in 2010, you, there was a, a debate where uh, the government was going to get rid of disability allowance. Tell us about how you got into that, or around that. Um, yes, yeah, so it was during the uh, election um, in 2010, 2011. Um, I met Ed on the campaign trail um, here in Ministry um, and asked him, would he um, protect people with disabilities? during his time in government and whatnot. Um, and he said he would, and obviously it was, you know, a big deal. Um, you know, it was filmed on local television and whatnot here. So, uh, yeah, then in 2011, he made the cut to disability payments. Um, and then, then, I suppose I wrote a letter to the Irish Examiner and gave the footage to RTE and whatnot. Um, and I suppose in the letter, I explained how the cut was not just going to affect me, but others like me in similar positions. Um, and then I suppose, yeah, um, the cut was reversed. And yeah, that's really how it all started. And after that, where did you, what, where did it take you? Um, so in 2012, I went over to the United Nations and they gave a speech on technology and how technology has helped me. And the event that was on was Women in Technology and it's highlighting the importance of the role of women in technology that are in there at the moment and the need for more women in technology. And so it was pretty good. It was a pretty good uh, event, I suppose. Um, and yeah, I, that's where I challenged the United Nations to build me a robot um, in 2012. So yeah, that's that's how that then kickstarted. Um, so yeah, it's pretty cool. Are they building a robot at the moment for you? Uh, yeah, Trinity College Dublin, and at the moment they're building a robot. Uh, we're in phase two development, and it's where we give it artificial intelligence. So the robot is physically there, it's just obviously mentally um, and intelligent-wise, it doesn't really understand what needs to be done. You have to almost dictate to it 100% what it needs to do. So it's kind of like training a puppy. And, you know, you tell it to sit and you give it a treat, and then after a while it'll understand when you start saying sit or get that or whatnot, and it'll do all the things for you. I know the future can tell us, but what stage do you think the robot will be ready to uh, help you in your accessibility? Uh, it's obviously a few years from now. Uh, robotics is still a brand new thing. It's still a brand new uh, range of technology that's happening at the moment. Um, and the thing with robotics is that it's changing all the time. So what's going to be amazing today is going to be trash tomorrow. Um, and it's the harsh reality of it. But uh, no, I, I could trust in the engineers and whatnot. And uh, yeah, I know they're going to get the job done. And I think the important thing for now is not how long it takes. Uh, put the end product. When you were giving your speech to the United Nations and you asked I want a robot, what was going through your head? Um, I suppose I was 16 and Simon, it was the first time I ever I suppose, got up and did a speech aside from whatever you do in school, whatever presentations you have. Um, so yeah, it was pretty it was pretty weird um, and I was only 15 at the time, um, but it didn't really faze me to be honest that much. Um, they were all incredibly accommodating and understanding that I was 16 years of age and this was my first time. Um, so yeah, it was an incredible achievement and whatnot. And um, yeah, everyone over there was amazing and welcoming. And uh, yeah, it's kind of just, uh, you know, it made me, maybe I suppose, feel part of the group, uh, even though they were what, 20, 30 years at their job, and I was just kind of just starting. Being at the age of, of 16, did you find it daunting in giving a speech to the United Nations? I, I suppose it 
was really like uh, we got to meet them beforehand, uh, so that wasn't so bad. We got to meet um, the head of the, the Department of Technology over in the UN, um, Dr. Dory, um, and you know, it was pretty cool, I suppose. Uh, at the same time, I was 16, so I was kind of fearless in a way, um, and it didn't really faze me, I suppose. Looking back on it now, you get a little bit embarrassed, you know, on what you're wearing, what you look like. Um, so yeah, just things like that have changed. But uh, no, it was, it was, it was, it was a good speech, and it made a lasting impression. So yeah. Did you write the speech, or did family help you with uh, getting it together? Um, I was, I wrote the main parts, and then my brother Stephen, um, who made the documentary, and he looked over it. He's obsessed with English and grammar and everything, so he was just kind of maybe I was fine-tuning it. Uh, so yeah. And would your brother Stephen be very close to you in, in your family? I saw that you were in a, a flower pot. What did that feel like before trying to get your shoulders and your arms moving at, at a very young age? So yeah, the idea of the flower pot was just to get me sitting upright and kind of not really spending my life on the flat of my back. And so it was the first time I ever really sat up, I was technically unaided without my parents behind me having to hold me. And so yeah, I mean, I was incredibly young at the time. I was about, you know, maybe just less than a year. And so yeah, obviously it was important for my parents to, you know, make sure that um, I was like a normal child and developing like a normal child. And how did the, your brothers and sisters uh, interact with you with your disability? And and growing up in the community, how do they see you with your disability? Kind of uh, theatre and movies and stuff like that. And so yeah, he was kind of filming 
and throughout the entire thing. My parents obviously did like home movies and whatnot just for themselves. And then, you know, when I got older, then Stephen carried on. And uh, yeah, it's incredible. When it came out, yeah, pictures and theatre, what? how did it feel? Um, yeah, it was incredible, I suppose. It was um, an incredible thing to have um, done on my life. Um, and yeah, I mean, I still get embarrassed and I watch it to this day. Um, but that's just more, even more embarrassed about myself and uh, how funny I thought I was. Uh, but yeah, no, the documentary is a really good documentary and it kind of resonated across the globe. It's been seen by over uh, 15 million people worldwide, so yeah. Does the city or the community see you as a celebrity with this documentary or are you just a normal girl in the community? Um, they do see me as a normal person, to be honest, in the community. They always have and they probably always will be. Um, as I said, Mystery is a ridiculously small town. Uh, but yeah, no, they kind of take no notice of me, really, to be honest. Wow, and in university, when you're in criminology, how, how, what is your system of getting around class to class and taking notes and so on? Um, I suppose really I just kind of uh, go around like a normal, like a normal person and um, you know all my classes are actually located on campus, I live on campus uh, so yeah it's pretty extraordinary and uh, yeah no it's um, you know everyone's really, it's, uh, they've embraced this up in ECC, uh, we've a really small class in criminology, there's just over maybe 50 or 60 of us in my year alone and um, so yeah no everyone's been really nice and really accommodating. Do you have a passion in criminology? interested in becoming either a sports or a crime journalist uh, growing up and criminology just kind of gives you a different outlook in life um, and yeah it's just an incredibly interesting course um, and yeah I'm happy to be part of it. I see that you're a really bubbly and chatty person. What is your, your dream to do in the, in the world? Um, as I said personally I want to be either a sports or a crime journalist, uh, preferably sports. Um, I'd love to be reporting on sidelines at matches. Um, if anyone watches NFL and um, the Fox News, the Fox News uh, reporter Erin Andrews, I'm kind of a huge admirer of her in uh, the way she kind of does it. She was one of the first female female presenters in America to report on the sidelines and at matches. So yeah, she's an incredible person, and hopefully I get to do stuff like that maybe in the near future. Um, and then obviously continue my um, the activism work that I do at the moment. Um, I'd love to continue going around and um, talking to the children. Um, I'd love to you know keep going with everything that I'm doing. What kind of activism work do you do? I suppose every day we fight for people with disabilities and we try to come up with a uh, structure and a plan, I suppose, that will create access really for all, which is, um, you know, and it's just incredibly uh, interesting really to, you know, see how, you know, I mean, I can only speak from my perspective and whatever my disability is. And I find it interesting going across meeting other people with disabilities and seeing what they're, you know, what difficulties they're having, how they're going through life and stuff like that and highlighting the importance of embracing these people with disabilities. And, and yes, that's kind of what I do. In doing this kind of work, is it something that you were lined in your own disability or something you were interested in, in helping people? I, I kind of like human rights and social justice and stuff like that, really. So, yeah, no, when uh, I started doing it, when I started going around and all these different places, I enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, I just kind of want to keep sticking with it. In looking back, writing that letter to Andy Kenny, do you think that was kind of the, the start of what you're doing now? Um, yeah, definitely. I suppose it gave me a name um, in general. Um, um, and I suppose it kind of makes it easier to do the work when you're kind of known. Um, but yeah, no, it's incredible um, to get to do the work that I do. Um, and yeah, I suppose it's just encouraged me to kind of keep fighting for it, yeah. And when you featured on the Late Late Show here in Ireland, um, what was that like? Um, it was an incredible achievement, uh, personally. Um, I mean, it was pretty cool to be on the August Reading Talk Show, I suppose, in TV history. It was incredible to be 15 um, and going on the, the Late Late Show. Um, and yeah, I mean, it kind of catapulted me, I suppose, into the spotlight. And uh, yeah, I suppose I haven't really looked back since. Being so young, do you feel that you're inexperienced in what you're talking about and what you do? I think it's kind of, you know, um, a, a weird stereotype to say people are too young to kind of do anything. Um, people can do what they want to do. They can educate themselves now easily uh, with access to the internet and everything else that's going on in the world. Um, I don't think, you know, there's such a high level of information that's being put out there these days. It's impossible for people not to be educated on different things that are going on in the world. So, um, no, I would never really say that I was too young or too inexperienced to kind of do everything. Um, you know, I educated myself on everything that I needed to do. And, and I suppose I talked about myself, which is what I know best. Um, and yeah, I suppose it came across to be fun, and hopefully it really was, so yeah. When you say, I'm one in seven that have this uh, particular disability and illness, what do people say to you? Um, 
I suppose people, you know, kind of are taken aback that it's such a rare, a rare disability. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, you know, people really don't really mind. Um, the important thing for me is that people don't see the disability, they see Joanne and they see me for who I am. Um, and I think that's the most important thing. And thankfully, people are seeing me um, just as Joanne, not the person without me living. You mentioned that you're interested in in sport. Um, what is your favourite sport? Um, I, I literally like any sport. Um, you could tell me that paint and drying, that it's a sport and there's a championship for it and I'll end up watching it. Um, I love every single sport maybe out there. Um, and yeah, um, it's just incredible. I like, you know, I like the GA, I like soccer, um, I like American football. Um, you name it, I'll probably watch it. I, I, yeah, I have no life like that. <laughs> and I, I see that the Cork GA team uses you as motivation. Have they told you that? Yeah, I suppose I'm friendly enough uh, with one or two of them. And yeah, it was pretty amazing uh, when I was told that. Um, I see them, I suppose, as maybe my heroes and whatnot. Um, but as in- invincible inter county players and whatnot. But uh, at the end of the day, they're just normal lads. And yeah, they're incredible people. When you hear that, does that inspire you to continue what you do? Um, definitely. I mean, when people say that they look towards me um, for a little bit of positivity or a little bit of inspiration, um, it's absolutely amazing, amazing to hear. And it just kind of motivates me to keep on going. I know with disability, you have your dark days. And when you do, do you kind of look to that um, to get you past those dark days? I think it's important to kind of focus on the positive anyway if you're having a dark day. I suppose I have a bad day like every other normal person. You know, maybe my hair looks ugly. You know, maybe the eye looks ugly. Like, who the hell knows? Because um, at the end of the day, I am 20 years of age. Um, you know, I have had a fight with a friend. Uh, but yeah, no, it's important to just kind of look, look at... Um, look at the positives that are going on in everyday life. As a, as a female with your disability, what are the challenges that you face on a daily basis? Uh, I, I suppose everyday stuff that you or whoever would take for granted. Um, you know, maybe washing myself, maybe putting on my clothes, maybe going out every day. Um, as I said, everything kind of has to be planned um, in my life. Um, and yeah, I suppose as a spontaneous person, that can get a bit annoying. Um, but I think I just, you know, embrace and kind of just say, yeah, what's the worst that could happen? Um, and yeah, I just gotta go for it. How far advanced do you have to plan? Um, maybe just one or two days in, in advance, you know, whatnot. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's just, you know, my friends, you know, they take really no notice of whatever I'm doing, and yeah, they just kinda, you know, embrace me for who I am and just kinda go with me like they will with any other normal person. In home and college, who helps you get prepared if you're heading out for a party or a concert? Um, if I was at home, it would be my mom and my sister, I suppose. And if I was up in university, um, it would be a personal assistant um, that, supplies, uh, that is supplied um, by the IWA and the Irish Future Association. So, yeah, I'm very fortunate that I have their support and their service. And, yeah, I would probably be lost without it, I suppose. How does the Wheelchair Association help you with their services? Um, they supply the personal assistance that I need every day um, and 24 Seven care, I suppose. So yeah, it's absolutely incredible. And uh, yeah, as I said, whatever that I'd be lost, um, I'd have to probably stay at home uh, with my mom caring for me, and whatnot. It gives her a break, and uh, yeah, it gives me a break from her, I suppose. Outside of the wheelchair, do they provide you any other skills? Just the just the kind of service for me, really. But I know they provide other services to other people um, across the globe, and and they get the part to highlight what these services are doing, and that the money that goes towards these services actually goes to a good cause. And then can I bring it to the time? So yeah. In your role in activism, do you kind of hook in with the the organisations as well? Um, it's in pieces, I suppose. Um, you know, I mean, they kind of let me do my own thing and then enabled me to kind of just go and live my life to the full. In the Cork Institute of Technology gave a TEDx talk. Tell us about how that came about. Um, yeah, so TEDx uh, was obviously a really cool thing to do. Um, and, you know, TED is obviously a popular um, kind of speaking uh, speaking as well across the world. And um, so for me to do a TEDx talk, it was uh, pretty incredible. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I was kind of blown away by the reaction um, and the fact that people, you know, still kind of reference that I saw to this day. It was a pretty cool, um, you know, a pretty cool, pretty cool event in my life to be part of it. Was that before your speech at the United Nations or was it after? It was after. Um, so, yeah, obviously I kind of got my stuff a little bit more prepared that time but uh, yeah no it was really funny um, you know to be asked and you know I mean I was kind of blown away I didn't really get what tech was beforehand and then you know afterwards I realised the enormous enorm- enormity of what it actually was Did they come and contact you or did someone say hey Joanne would you do this? I think they contacted me it was actually a few years ago and um, so yeah I think they contacted me because they were having the event in Cork um, and as a Cork person I suppose they thought of no better person really 
Being a cork woman, was it honored speaking to this uh, to your fellow corkins? Yeah, and um, you know, obviously, I'm a proud cork woman, and at the end of the day, uh, so whenever I get to do stuff here at home, and um, it's, it's massive for me to kind of come back and. You know, see everyone. So, um, yeah, no, it was pretty fun and whatnot. So, yeah. Did anyone kind of comment to say, "Oh, Joanna was excellent," or what was the feedback after the talk? Um, feedback was really good um, after the talk. You know, um, everyone said that it was um, an inspiring talk, and you know, could be used for motivation and whatnot. And yeah, it's uh, absolutely insane. Um, you know, that I get to do all these things all the time. In comparing to the TEDx talk and the talk at the United Nations, which do you think was uh, your best at the time? Um, I suppose the enormity of the UN really, um, you know, was probably the most incredible. Um, and yeah, you know, it was just a huge honour for me, I suppose, to go over to the United Nations. Um, so yeah, I was, that's probably my personal favourite. Tell us about how you use your technology to get around. Um, I use technology as well, every day, like a normal person, you know, um, I text my friends, you know, I use my phone, um, you know, to get in contact with the outside world. Obviously, my wheelchair helps me to get around. Have any of them contacted you to get your opinion what they, what what you think of their technology? Um yeah, a few a few companies have and I'm like, working, you know, with a few companies closely um in developing technology, you know, to help people with disabilities. So um yeah, it's all kinda under up my sleeve I suppose at the moment. But uh, yeah, no, it's an exciting, exciting project. I don't know if you're allowed to tell us what projects you have up, up your sleeve or not. Um, probably not at the moment, no. Um, well, yeah, no, there's definitely some interesting work anyways, you know, being done at the moment, yeah. All towards the wheelchair access or other disabilities? Um, it's just technology for all, really, and how everyone can use technology in their everyday life. Okay, and do you use an Android and an iPhone? Um, I use an iPhone at the moment, so yeah, they've got Apple products for me, uh, but that's just me personally. Um, you know, they're, they're, you know, this is how I, how I roll, I suppose. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I can use the other technology, I can use Microsoft Atlas and whatnot easily, uh, so yeah. Does the phone have any, like, sensor touch or anything, or is it just a bog standard phone in the settings? Yeah, uh, just a, just a normal-ass phone, yeah, like everyone else, so yeah, I gotta use it, like everyone else, I text using my, my left arm, um, and whatnot, and, um, you know, as I said, I type with a pen in my mouth. Um, and use the outside of my chin, but yeah, it's just normal, normal, normal service, I suppose. Just describe to us how you use the technology. Do you ever get cramps or soreness from using for a long time? Um, no, not really. I suppose I'm a person that way. Um, I don't know whether I have extremely good muscles or what, but uh, yeah, no, I never really get cramped up. I suppose my body is used to me normally using technology all the time, so yeah. And is there any particular like physio or exercises or stuff to get you um, everything moving continuously? I suppose, you know, you kind of, I kind of go swimming um, often, but that's just for personal leisure and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, no, um, yeah, it's, it's just normal, normal, standard stuff. Looking back, have you any regrets or anything you'd like to change? No, not really. Um, I think it's important to just keep going through life and, and kind of deal with the, the hand, I suppose, you've got in. Um, and that's, that's, that's really how I kind of focus in life. I've never really looked back and said, oh, I wish I did that one differently, or I wish I did that differently. Um, I just kind of keep going with it, and yeah, just keep embracing the opportunities that I keep getting every day. If you were handed a, a different deck of cards regarding your disability, would you take it? You know, honestly, no. Um, I've been you know, given these opportunities because of who I am and whatnot, and because you know people have embraced me with a disability. So honestly, I'd probably never, ever change it. I wouldn't get to you know, go to amazing places all the time, you know, get to do, uh, go over to the United Nations um, and do all the cool stuff that I'm doing at the moment without it. So, no, I'd actually never really change, no. Let's just say t- tomorrow they, they say, hey, Joanne, we've got a, a cure for you. Um, would you take it? Um, again, no. Um, it, it's what I'm used to now with this stage. It's what everyone's used to. Um, and I think it's important, really, that you don't change for the world and that you kind of ask the world to change for you. Um, I think that's important. And so, yeah, no, I would never really take it. Um, you know, I might be tempted and whatnot, of course, but no, I wouldn't take it because, you know, um, all the other opportunities might, you know, they mightn't just be there anymore. So, yeah, I have to kind of weigh it out. And, you know, this option looks, looks better for me, I suppose, so yeah. If you go to a concert, how does that work for you? Um, just like every normal day kind of thing. Um, yeah, I just get tickets for the wheelchair section and, yeah, just hang out with my friends and yeah, go to Dublin and whatnot with them and 
Yeah, no, we just have good fun, yeah. Do you still have an electric wheelchair? Yeah, I have an electric wheelchair, yeah. And do you have to charge that, or how does that work? Uh, yeah, so it charges um, uh, every night, so um, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's a pretty amazing thing. It goes uh, for about 10 kilometres. So yeah, it kind of does the job, really. Your other arm, do you have any movement in it, or how do you uh, get out of your chair at night, or is there a particular way? Yeah, so I have movement um, in everything that I have, um, luckily. Um, but yeah, no, I suppose my mom or my sister or something whoever would lift me uh, from place to place to do there. It's uh, unfortunate that I'm a, a light person. Um, so yeah, no, it's just, it's just like picking up a toddler, I suppose. Your mom or your uh, personal assistant, do they travel everywhere with you as well? Yeah, pretty much. Um, it's, you know, 24-7 care, as I said. Um, and it's kind of just, you know, just in case I need something, you know, it's not like every day I'm barking orders and them or whatnot. Um, it's just if I need a drink, um, they'll get it for me if I need to go to the toilet, they'll bring me to the toilet and whatnot, so yeah. Do you ever get frustrated with having 24 care? Um, no, not really. Um, you know, luckily I'm not glued to the hip, I suppose. Um, so yeah, um, they can do what, I suppose, what they want in reason, you know, and I can do whatever I want within reason. So uh, yeah, no, it really doesn't bother me. I'm kind of used to being in the day and I'm a chatty person, so yeah, I enjoy company, I suppose. Yeah, I'd, I'd say your your strength would be a, a chatterbox, I'd say. Pretty much, yeah, it, it helps. In your family, who would be the closest um, that you'd hang out with? Uh, honestly, I hang out with the ball. Um, you know, there's a nice age gap between us, really. So, uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's good fun and whatnot. And, you know, there's, I, I hang out with them, I suppose, for different reasons. You know, my son and my sister would do girly things and have girly chats and whatnot. And then me and my brothers would, like, go off to a football game or watch sports or whatever together. So, yeah. In the seven people that have this in the world, um, have you met all of them up to now? Um, I met um, two out of the seven. Um, And has anyone kind of figured out how this happens, or is it just um, through genetics? Um, and I said there's no medical reason really as to why it actually happens. Um, but yeah, no, just kind of take on the chin and move on with life, yeah. Okay, and if, if a doctor told you tomorrow it's A, B, and C, would you kind of be happy to find out, or would you just like, no, I don't want to know? No, it really wouldn't bother me. If they found out, they'll find out, and if not, if not, if not they won't. So yeah, it doesn't really bother me really at the end of the day. And um, so yeah. Does... The accessibility in Ireland differ from what you see in the UK? Um, I suppose accessibility kind of ranges um, across every every country. Uh, obviously, we take all our standards really from the UK and we look to the UK um, as well as a model of inspiration and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, no, obviously, you know, there's different things um, in different countries. You know, I've been fortunate to kind of travel across the world and whatnot. And so, yeah, I've been to a wide range of assets really in all different countries. In, in Japan, you know, everything is simple and basic and technology kind of takes over, really, uh, which is incredible. Um, in South Africa, it's, it's really basic stuff, you know, like, you know, wooden ramps going into houses, um, you know, and then in, like, the Latvia and Russia, you know, they're still coming to grips through what a disability actually is. So, yeah, it's pretty inspiring to see. If you had a choice in the world based on accessibility, where would you live? I honestly don't know. I always say that when I'm older, I'm going to move back to our boat where we live in South Africa. Um, just because I love the people over there and um, they're all incredibly happy even though they have very little life and um, I think it's an inspiring country and an inspiring place to kind of see um, so yeah I'd love to maybe live in South Africa when I'm older but you know I'd love to I'd love to you know live across a wide few range of countries and um, you know I love to travel and um, I love to see the world so yeah In the UK have you noticed anything else around disability that's different from Ireland? Um, I suppose really everyone just kind of takes no notice really of you um, and everyone's really nice and helpful and polite you know, everyone's really nice and handsome here, and um, especially some people just might really know what to do. Um, in the UK, they just kind of, just kind of seem to check in with them, I suppose, really. I, I don't know why. Uh, but yeah, no, I always basically been here in Ireland. If you're ever concerned to go to what to do, just, just ask. You know, people are happy enough to respond and tell you what you need to do. So yeah, don't be too embarrassed to ask. When you give talks to uh, children and adults who have disabilities, what do you say to them? Um, and to embrace all opportunities that are happening um, and I suppose to, you know, kind of put themselves out there um, and show the world that, you know, we are people at the end of the day, no matter what our disability is. So, yeah, I just think it's important uh, for people to be accepting uh, of themselves and, uh, yeah, I guess I just be proud of who they are. 
do they kind of say oh thanks or is it uh, what the feedback you get what kind of feedback do you get um yeah no uh, the feedback so far is pretty good um, and whatnot um you know i'm a bubbly person and i try and make it as funny um, and as personal as possible and you know but yeah no everyone's incredible about it and uh, whenever you go to school and um, your actions need to be good you probably want to ask them if they really enjoyed it have you met various famous people through this this journey or is it that you met uh, yeah i mean you know i've been fortunate to kind of you know be in areas uh, with other really famous people but um yeah no i can take no notice really and um kind of keep doing what I'm doing so yeah if you met someone tomorrow would they still view you as the way you want them to view you um, I'm obviously hoping um, you know um, it's up to people to view me how they want but yeah I'd encourage people to just approach me as Joanne instead of the girl with no limbs and with that no limbs uh, no limits is that do you say that like is that your motto or your ethos or what tell us about that um, yeah I suppose really it, it would be um, and then I think When you say a model, how would you in- incorporate that? Uh, I mean, I think it's just kind of, you know, a mental attitude that you have in life. Um, like, to be honest, I've been very fortunate that my, you know, my positivity and my attitude would be, you know, why can't I do this? You know, I, I should be able to do it. Um, and I think really that's how I incorporate everything that I do in my life. Um, and as I said, I think it's important, you know, people in Ireland would have the tendency to look at the glass half empty or whatnot. And I think it's important you know, for people to, um, to look at whatever positives is going on in life, I think, you know, we should be thankful for whatever we do have in life, um, in order to overcome the negatives. I think there's a lot more things to be more grateful for. In food, is there a particular food that you, you can't eat, or is it, um, just eat everything? Um, no, I eat everything, and, um, yeah, I've obviously got the diet of a normal 20-year-old, which is absolutely terrible, um, but yeah, no, it's just normal food, yeah. Who, who inspires you? Um, I suppose my family, um, number one, and um, they're incredible people, um, and they keep pushing me to do whatever I want to do in life. Um, so yeah, I would say my family really would be my number one, my number one uh, role model. In your community, um, or and in the world, if you could pick someone that is your hero, would it be the same? Yeah, it would be the same. Yeah, my family for me. Yeah, they're just um, amazing people, and the work they do behind the scenes. That's what really keeps me going. But except your your parents, does your brother and sisters help you with everyday things as well? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, you know, they just kind of treat me as I said like a normal sibling. And um, if I need a drink of water or whatever, they'll get it for me. And um, if I need to go to the toilet, they'll bring me. If I need to change my toes, you know, they'll do it. So uh, yeah, they're uh, in, incredible people. Being in a in a wheelchair, do you find when you meet people, do you find it hard to keep eye contact if they're a tall person or so on? No, not really. Um, and if so, I always kind of make life of the entire situation. Um, you know, I'll make a joke or whatnot, uh, you know, saying that they're incredibly tall. But uh, no, it really doesn't bother me. Um, yeah, I just kind of talk to everyone like I would talk to everyone else, like if, if they were my friends. So, yeah. Outside of technology, is there any other aspects that help you be independent? I suppose, you know, as I said, the first services that I get, uh, they're incredible people. Um, you know, they kind of help me like normal everyday life. Um, and I suppose, you know, they're just happy to be in the background and, you know, just kind of making me do what I want to do in life and giving me the opportunity and the tools that I need to do so. So, yeah, no, I mean, everyone kind of has a, a role to play and whatnot. And it's not just all technology, you know, people themselves um, need to change attitudes towards uh, disabilities and whatnot. So, yeah. Do you think you'd be ever independent uh, um, by yourself or? Or are you depending on someone to help you regardless? Um, who knows? Um, you know, I'm a really chatty person anyway, so I'd probably get bored of my own company after about five minutes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, I'm happy to have people with me all the time. Uh, but, yeah, no, I think it's pretty cool to see, you know, what is out there in the world and what can help you uh, be, be, like, truly independent. So, you know, I mean, you see advancements every day in technology, you know. You have um, Mark Zuckerberg and whatnot, he's trying to create a house of just pure artificial intelligence so like you see on um, if anyone has seen the movie Iron Man um, you see kind of stuff you know you just ask the, the, the house to turn on the light or open the door for you 
or just gotta do everything. And yeah, it feels as uh, yeah, there's you know random ideas like that across the world, and I think it's incredible. When you hear stuff like that, uh, do you think, oh my god, this this could happen, or do you think this would be years years away for to become a reality? Um, honestly, who knows? Um, you know, different countries are doing different things at the moment in terms of technology, um, and there's lots of intelligent minds out there within technology at the moment. Um, so yeah, who knows? I mean, it could happen any day. It could happen in ten years. It could happen in five. It could happen in one year. So yeah, technology is a rapidly growing industry, and. Um, yeah, it's exciting to be a part of. You've probably you've, you've spoken at TED, you've spoken at the European Union. What, where is next that you would like to speak at? Um, who knows? Um, I just gotta take every day as it comes, um, and just gotta take it all on board. Um, so yeah, no, everything's uh, incredible, and uh, yeah, I just gotta go with the flow, really. I suppose. Outside of being a sports journalist, um, or someone uh, talking about the sport, is there anything else in your in your life that you would love to achieve? No, really. I just, as I said, I take every day as it comes. Um, you know, at the moment, obviously, I'd love to, you know, pass all my exams in college, in university, and whatnot. Um, and yeah, it's been, you know, I'll see whatever the future holds. So yeah, it's been an exciting time. At the weekends, um, do you go home from college or do you stay at college? Um, yeah, I come home um, at the weekends. Um, if I'm in Cork, I come home. If I'm over in um, over in the UK, I just uh, stay there, obviously. Uh, but yeah, no, um, yeah, it's, it's quite fun. Um, yeah, I kind of miss my dog whenever I'm away, so yeah, I like to come home and see her. And are you doing criminology in the UK as well? Uh, yeah, just, just as part of an Erasmus program. Okay, um, so it's like a co-op or work experience kind of thing? Um, yeah, so it's just a study abroad kind of program and see how you cope, I suppose. So yeah, it's obviously going really well now, thankfully. Have you learned a lot being away from Ireland? Like, you learn bits and pieces, I suppose you learn how to be um, independent apart from your family. Um, so yeah, you know, it's pretty fun, you know, um, you know, my housemates over in, over in uh, Yorkshire are, are incredible, incredible people. So yeah, no, it's, it's really good fun and yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a nice thing to be part of. Are you working or are you learning through the, the university in the UK? Uh, just learning. Um, so yeah, attending class every day. Um, so yeah, it's pretty fun. Do you see a difference in the Irish and UK system regarding university? Yeah, I suppose in the UK it's... Uh, one to one and whatnot in Ireland is kind of seen as more like a class kind of structure and whatnot but uh, yeah no I don't mind either to be honest you know it's absolutely incredible uh, to you know get to see different programs across the world I, I know you say you have to prepare for each for each day but do you have an idea what each day looks for you yeah no I mean you know when I was in college you know Monday to Friday is class um, and whatnot and Saturday Sunday and just got a weekend hang out do my own thing you know maybe go out with my friends go to my house day um, you know, you never really know. What would a, a breakfast look for you like? A, a breakfast? Um, it's just every day. Um, Coca Pops. Um, as I said, I would die of a 20 year old. Um, so, yeah, no, just like, well, get up in the morning, um, go for a shower or whatnot. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's incredible, yeah. In the area of disability, do you see any other changes or advancements, or what is your, like, in helping it improve? Yeah, I mean, like the whole, you know, people are growing more and more accepting of people with disabilities um, at the moment. Um, and I always say people in Ireland are in the, okay, we've embraced them, what do we do with them now uh, stage? Um, so, yeah, I think it's important now to just lay down the foundations and structures for people with disabilities um, to overcome or just give them the tools and the equal access that they need in order to become the person that they want to be in life. What would be your opinion to get to the next stage, do you think? You know, um, I think the idea um, is to kind of lay down a foundation, I suppose, um, that everyone is kind of in agreement on, that everyone thinks is suitable for people with disabilities uh, at the moment. Um, and I think, you know, once we get that part done, it's been implementing it, um, and I suppose just, yeah, kind of just carrying on, really, I suppose. So, yeah. When people look at you, do you interact with that, or do you just ignore it? Um, no, I mean, people, uh, like, like, do we just share it? We all know that children have a curious mind. Is there any particular comments or questions that make you smile? Um, no, not really. Um, I mean, children are inquisitive anyways, but I think, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, a, good, it's a good characteristic to have. Um, I know I'd be the same if I was them anyway, so doesn't really bother me that much. Uh, if they have questions, they have questions, and if they don't, they don't, and that's it.
living abroad outside of disability accessibility and, and family living and so on uh, is there anything else that you would like to change or happy with no I mean you know I think it's just important for people to um, as I said be accepting with people with disabilities um, I don't think the person needs to change I think it's society that needs to change I'm not an advocate really for that um, and I just think you know it's important um, that you know these people are accepted as a normal member of society um, and they're just able to yeah just kind of carry on through life really um, and uh, yeah as long as people are given the right tools to succeed how can society interact with a disabled person? Um, just uh, they treat them like a normal person. Um, you know, approach them with their name probably is the best way to do it. Um, and yeah, just treat them like you would treat an every everyday person that you'd be in the shop and whatnot. Um, yeah, I think it's important. Yeah. And do you think the education is out there to make that transition? You know, the more I the schools, the more I see children um, responding um, and, you know, um, yeah, just, I suppose, you know, treating everyone like normal. Um, like, I see my classmates that I grew up with uh, here in the street, um, you know, whenever, you know, whenever they see someone with a wheelchair or whatnot, they, I mean, it's not that they know what to do, but, you know, instant kind of kicks in for them, you know, they'd, uh, they'd, they'd step out of the way, they'd go the door for them, you know, and whatnot, they'd ask if they're okay. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. Is there anybody that on your list that you would say when you watch TV? Yeah, I'd like to meet them or chat with them. What would it be? Do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, I suppose you know, um, I'd always love to go to an American football game, uh, for example. But uh, yeah, no, that's just something that's already down the pipeline, maybe a little bit. But uh, yeah, no, um, you know, I'm kind of fortunate that I get to do the things that I do with incredibly cool people. So um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's good banter. So. Yeah, I'll just take every day as it is. Could you actually drive with your hand if, if it was possible? I honestly don't know. Um, obviously, with driverless cars now becoming the hot new invention, I suppose it's interesting to see where that will go. Maybe that's um, a thing in the future, really. So, um, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's a pretty cool uh, time that's going to be life. Um, and see all these advances that are being made every single day. If you could provide one piece of advice to myself or the listeners, either in life or disability or something you picked up, what would it be? Um, just be yourself. Um, I suppose you're the only version of you that's out there at the moment, so embrace that. Um, and just keep on going with life. And uh, yeah, just, I suppose if you want to make a change, um, you know, start small and whatnot, and things always snowball. So um, yeah, no, um, just, just keep going, being yourself. And, uh, yeah, be proud of who you are and be proud of where you come from and yeah, don't ever change yourself for anyone. In your speech at the Uni- at the United Nations, did you imagine that you would be saying what you have to say and also would it be a dream to do it again? Yeah, if I ever got the opportunity, obviously I'd love to do it again. Um, yeah, it, it would be a really cool achievement, I suppose. Um, I, I don't think I'd actually change anything and change whatever I said at the United Nations. Um, but yeah, no, I'd love to you know, go back maybe and, you know, maybe spend a little bit longer there and, you know, maybe meet a few more people. But, uh, yeah, no, uh, if they ever extended the invite, I'd, I'd happily oblige and go, go, go over to them, yeah. I know that the event was for women for technology, but do you see women in the tech uh, industry more? Um, obviously, you know, there's more kind of stuff going out. And, you know, more girls are becoming obsessed with technology, you know, whether it be, like, coding, whether it be actually working with technology, um, you know, I suppose they are out there and they are trying to do something and it's just important that we give everyone the opportunity, the equal opportunity to show off their skills and, and whatever, so yeah. And the, the documentary, No no Limits, No Limbs, did your brother expect that um, it would be such a hit? Um, I don't really know if we expected it to be such a hit. Um, you know, my brother, you know, he's a director, so, you know, he thought we were on something maybe special, but he didn't think it would be, you know, broadcast across, you know, 30 countries to over 15 million people worldwide. And uh, we didn't expect that really at all. So, uh, yeah, we're just delighted and honoured, I suppose, to, to, I suppose, have had such a, such, a, such, a, such a successful documentary. Is it on Netflix or YouTube or iTunes? Where can people find it? Yeah, it's available through Tournament Films UK. And that's how everyone uh, gets to see it. So, uh, yeah, no, um... Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, and, and watching it, did you think, do you get cringe that you saw parts of your life in front of you? Um, yeah, well, you know, I mean, you kind of just cringe at yourself anyway if you watch yourself back on a recording. Um, 
burning tears and you know I mean I know I do um, I hate watching myself back on TV and you know I think I'm funny uh, that moment before the camera and then I actually see it back and I'm not that funny at all uh, but yeah no um, you know it's a, it's a it's still a pretty cool documentary and yeah and thankfully there's a success and you know kind of made its point I suppose Joanne, outside of you getting your certificate in criminology and the projects you're doing in tech, is there anything else you have lined up? Um, at the moment, really, it's just going to continue on my studies and see where that takes me. Um, so, yeah, um, every year is getting bigger and bigger all the time. So, yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's uh, hopefully it'll be a, a good year um, and hopefully it'll be a successful year. So, yeah. Oh, cool. Um. Joanne, thank you so much for coming on to the show and sharing your story during the experiences. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks very much. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.